Take your Bible, please, and go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I do appreciate uh, the, the friendship I've had with uh, Dr. Anderson, being in his church and meetings and having great fellowship and his family. And I tell you, the thing I value is I value the friends I've built around my ministry, I really have. Brother Mark Herbster, uh, we've known him since he'd been a teenager or younger, and I uh, had meetings with him and his, his parents out in Missouri. You know, it's one of the great thrills of the ministry are the friends you get to meet as you serve him. And I think that's, a, that's one of the great treasures of my life are the friends I have. And I, I pray that as I give my, the message this morning, God will use it to really help uh, in your life. We are going to give an invitation this morning, okay? Again, I tell you, I never try to con people to respond. But look at me. You keep your heart open and very tender. You hear me? If God moves you, then you respond. Not because of my plea, because of the prompting of God's Holy Spirit. Okay? Good. Well, I taught you a theme verse of 1 Peter 5, 7, which states, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Well, you know, y'all be catching on by now by that, for that verse, shouldn't you? Sure. Y'all say good and loud of me, so let's try it. Here we go. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, you can do one of two things, young person or an adult. You can worry and you can fret and be full of all kind of anxiety, wringing your fingers and, oh, you, what am I going to do? You know, I saw a sign one time. It said this on the billboard. Worry. The only thing that worry changes is the lining of your stomach. And that's true. I also saw this statement. Worry is taking responsibilities into your hand that God never intended you to have. So what should you do? Would you just cast all your care upon him, okay? Well, that's the end of that sermon. I hope that'll help you, okay? Get that truth in your heart. Well, now, would you all stand? And I'm going to read a verse to you in a moment. Before I do, look this way because I want to tell you what I'm preaching about, okay? Preach about 20 minutes. No, I don't know how long I'm going to preach. I never time myself how I preach, but I just don't preach long because that's me, okay, as I told you yesterday. But I want to bring a message on Bible priorities, And the word priority means that which is at the top of the list in your life. And I pray today that the message God will use you to make you see the significance of Bible priorities within your life. Look at verse uh, uh, 7 with me, please, or 8. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though be trial of fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Oh, dear Father, today, give us your strength, but most of all, the power of the Holy Spirit to make known your word. Relying upon you, Lord, to help me. In Christ's name, amen. May be seated. In First Peter, the Christians were going through a severe time of persecution. Many were being tortured. Others were being put to death. But how could they endure the persecution? 
And how could they lay down their life and death? The answer, because they had priorities firmly fixed within their lives. You know something? You'll never live for Christ as you should until you have also established Bible priorities in your life. And what were the priorities that these people had? Well, first of all, there was a priority of a consecration of their mind unto the Lord. Look with me, please, at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loin of your minds. Be sober. Stop right that word sober. Now, it literally means sober-minded. But I like this word sober for right now for this fact. I was raised with a lot of alcohol, okay? And uh, a lot of drunks. And I want to tell you, I'm not making fun, but have you ever observed how a person will walk when they are drunk? They will stagger in every direction. And when they talk, they will slur in their speech. Have you ever wondered why those two areas of a person's life are affected when they are drunk? Here's the answer. The alcohol numbs the brain. Your brain is what controls your coordination and your speech. Therefore, when a person is drunk, he will always stagger in his walk. He'll always slur in his speech. What alcohol does to the brain in the physical realm is what the world will do to your brain in the spiritual realm. The reason many of God's people stagger in their spiritual walk and they slur in their talk is because their, their spiritual mind has been numbed by the things of this world. And by the way, the great battlefield is your mind. Everyone wants to control your mind. National television will spend millions of dollars for a 30-second advertisement for one reason. To capture your mind that you buy their products. Many years ago, there was this advertisement, and it's classic. That's why I'm gonna, I want to share it with you because I never forgot it. It was an advertisement of a young man and young lady advertising a hair shampoo. Let me describe the young girl. And by the way, the whole commercial was done in slow motion. Well, there was this, this girl. I mean, she was very beautiful. Beautiful long hair. Lovely long dress. A very vivacious smile. Running across the field of a daisies with a bouquet of daisies in her hand. And as she's running across the field, on the other side was a young man walking, running toward her. And let me describe him. He was built like this. I mean, just a very handsome man. And he's running toward her in slow motion like this. And she's running like this toward him. And when they met in midfield, they would embrace. And the flowers went floating gently in the air. And you sat there going, oh, oh, oh. Yes, you did. Now, let me say this. Why didn't they ever pick a lady... And I do want to be careful here. Uh, let's say that she was um, pleasingly plump 
and she uh, was cross-eyed, buck tooth with a long wart on the end of her nose, who was bow-legged, and she's running like this toward him, stomping the daisies in the ground. On the other side of the field, the man, here's a man, got a big pot belly like this on him, hog jaws on the side, and a white stripe, you know, one of those white T-shirts. And he's running like this toward her. And she's running toward him like this. And when they meet, they can't stop, so they knock each other over. <laughs> now, why didn't choose them? You know why? They know you'd never buy their product. Thought precedes action. You hear me? Thought precedes action. You'll never do one thing until, first of all, you think about it. That's why you've got to see the significance of giving God your, 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 your mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. 2 Corinthians 10.5, And bringing in the captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, what sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things of give reports? If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'm going to tell you right now, this priority has to be a major priority in our lives. But second of all, look at the next verse. There's got to be a second priority of a conformity to Jesus Christ. The Word of God says in verse 14, As obedient children, now fashion yourselves according to your former lust in your ignorance. Now look at me and listen to statements. The foundational basis of a life conformed to Jesus Christ has always been obedience. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Have the Lord as great delight in run offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice and the hearken than the fat of rams. rams. Acts 5, 29 says, We ought to obey God rather than men. Romans 6, 16, know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin and the death or of obedience and the righteousness. And I'm going to tell you right now, congregation, you've got to realize how crucial this area of having this life conformed to Jesus Christ. May I say this in my heart. And I do not I'm not here to impress you, but I mean this in my heart. God's more concerned that my life be conformed to Jesus Christ than me be a well-known evangelist in America. And God's more concerned that your life be conformed to Jesus Christ than any vocation you're involved in. Christ has to be the one my life's conformed to. That's got to be my heartbeat. 
Philippians 1.21, for to me delivers Christ. The die is gained. Colossians 3.11, but Christ is all and in all. Colossians 1.18, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I'm telling you, congregation, how crucial it is that we have this priority of my life reflecting my Savior. Oh, what is Jesus Christ to me? My Lord God, Savior, Emmanuel, He, my prophet, my priest, my sacrifice, my altar, my lamb, my judge, my advocate, my surety, my witness I am, my peace, and my life, my truth, and my way, my leader, my teacher, my hope, and my stay, redeemer, and ransom, atonement, and friend. He's Alpha. Omega, beginning and end. The Bible says that in all things he might have the preeminence. And congregation, I'm telling you something. This has to be a major priority in my life and in your life. But third of all, look at me please, if you will, at verse 15. There's a priority of a conviction for your living. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be a holy in all manner of conversation. Now, look this way because I want to explain this to you. The Bible tells you very clearly, but be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, what this is, how can this become a conviction of yours? As it, girls, look at me. Girls, I mean, you walk around here with your Bible and you walk like this and you say, Oh, I just love the Lord. Oh, I, oh, I love Jesus. Or men, does it mean you guys lower your voice, walk around and say, you know, oh, I love the Lord. <clears throat> I really love the Lord. Is there something put on? Is something superficial? Or is this authentic? What does a Bible mean by being holy? For I am holy. I want to tell you, I hope this will help you understand it. Being raised as I was in West Virginia, my dad was a man who loved the fish. My dad taught us boys when we were small, this tall. He taught us how to use the casting rod. He taught us how to use the fly rod. We fished every famous place in West Virginia. We literally spent hundreds of hours with my dad fishing. My dad loved fishing. Guess what I love today? I love fishing. My dad was a man who loved the hunts. My father taught us boys how to use the shotgun, how to use the high-powered rifle. We literally lived off of the wild meat. We never killed for the fun of it. Never, never. My dad told us you'd never ever do that. But we lived off of the wild meats. My dad loved hunting. Guess what I love today? I love the hunts. My father was a man who was always on the go. Guess how my life is spent? I'm always on the go. My father was a man who ate fast. Guess how I eat? I eat fast. My father talked fast. 
Guess how I talk. I'm always, always walking. Slow down, Jerry. Slow down. But I talk. Why? Because my life. You've never met my dad. But my life is reflection of my father. Who you spend time with, you take on the characteristics of that person. You show me someone in this room, you have no time for the Bible. You're never on your knees in prayer. You never develop godly friends around your life. I'll show you every time a person who takes on the characteristic of this world. But you show me some young man or young lady here, and you love the word of God, and you're a person of prayer, and you build godly friendships around your life, and you're always giving your life to others. I'll show you every time a person whose life begins to reflect their heavenly father. And that's what these people had. So when Nero, the emperor of Rome, would summon these Christians before him and state, you deny Jesus Christ right now. If you don't, we will cast you in the lion's den. These men of God would stand there and say, do as you wish. I could never deny my Lord Jesus Christ. And many of them were thrown in the lion's den. The bodies tortured in most unusual fashion. You know why? Because they had priorities firmly fixed in their lives. And young person, that's exactly what you need. However, I never take a congregation for granted. So perhaps maybe you're unsaved today. You know the greatest priority in your life? Your greatest priority is coming to Christ. Letting Christ save you. You need to make that a priority. The Bible says, behold, now is to accept the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you don't know who I pray to God, you'd come to Christ. You'd let someone take the Bible and show you how Christ could save you. Let's bow our heads and pray, please. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, for I do pray, I'm going to have her play a song. And we're going to give an invitation this morning. We're going to stand a moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I'll, to, I'll not give you plenty of time to come down here and kneel in the verse to God. Look. Be very transparent with your Heavenly Father. You hear me? Be very transparent. When God has spoken in your life, and I'm not going to the whole message again, whatever area He has dealt with you about, or some other thing, you, say, you know, I need to get these priorities in my life. I really needed this. And I want you, I, want, I need to come and let the Lord know that. I'm always touched by the the psalmist who said, A broken and a contrite spirit, O God, thou will not despise. If you're unsaved, he'd love to save you. Would you come to him? I'm going to pray that we're going to stand and you want to respond. I'll give you plenty of time, okay? Dear Father, lead by your spirit. Take the power of the word, O Father. Magnify our Savior. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Let's stand the heads bowed and eyes closed as she starts playing the song right now. If you want to respond, would you respond? Would you step out where you are? Come down here and kneel before your Lord. Others of you, would you come as well and say, I need to respond. God has spoken to my life. I struggle in these areas. Would you respond? Would you come? Don't resist a convicting work of God's Spirit. You hear me? Don't do that. Others who want to respond, please, would you respond? We'll give you time here. You're not responding to the song. I'm giving the, the song is just to give you the opportunity to respond to your Heavenly Father. Why don't you do that? That's right. Others of you want to come, you come too. Ask someone to say, excuse me, step up where you are. Come down here. Voice to your Lord, the need of your life. Others who want to respond, would you come? Should play another stanza. I've given you plenty of time, young person. We don't have to beg people to respond, no. But when the Lord speaks to your life, you ought to immediately respond. Would you come? The last stanza. He sure invites you to come. Our dear Father, we thank you for the word that stirs our heart, that convicts us, Lord, of areas that we struggle with. For those who came, I pray, Lord, you meet every need of their hearts, every desire, Lord, that they have. I pray, Lord, that you'd be honored and magnified in the ministry of Dr. Anderson and those who are laboring here co-labors together for the cause of Christ. Encourage these students, Lord, meet all their needs financially, the emotional needs of being away from home, spiritual needs, God, meet those needs. May this institution continue to have your power and your blessings upon it. We ask in Christ's name, amen.